Hey guys, welcome back to Recalibrate, a mindset podcast designed to help you break free from the old while pressing on to the new. The old are paradigms, mental schemas, they are mental constructs, mindsets, ways of thinking, you know, paradigms, even spiritual strongholds. The idea is to equip you and to empower you through education, psychology, theology, and spirituality so that you can break free from those things that are holding you back, almost like keeping you tethered to your past, not allowing you to press on to what is ahead. And so I hope that I hope that you find what you're looking for, and even more than that. If you are a subscriber, I want to say thank you for subscribing faithfully. If you are new to this podcast, I hope that you get more than you expect. Now, we're changing it up a little bit. Every once in a while, I'm going to be posting uh, just a quick word of encouragement, maybe a five-minute blurb, just to encourage you, to challenge you, to make you think, to the point of breaking free from mental constructs that are hindering your life right now. I'm also going to be incorporating interviews. I'm going to bring people onto the show that have had some interesting testimonies to share that have encouraged me and edified my faith. And therefore, I want to share with you, hoping that it will do the same. And so I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for connecting on a weekly basis to listen, to learn, and to grow. In 1933, at his inaugural address, FDR Franklin Delano Roosevelt coined the famous phrase, the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. He goes on to define fear as nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. And isn't that so true? I love the definition that he uses or the synonym that he uses for for fear. He says it paralyzes. It's a paralysis. And it's true. I want to talk to you about fear today. Now, if you've listened to my previous episodes, if you've ever sat through one of my sermons or you've watched them on YouTube, you will find that on many occasions, I talk about this topic. I talk about fear. Fear is the counterpart of faith. Faith and fear cannot coexist. They don't live in the same house. They do not lock arms and walk together. They are enemies. That is the difference between faith and fear. And so, for those of you who are Bible scholars, or perhaps you are brand new in your faith and you are growing in Christ, I want to remind you, when Paul was addressing Timothy, now keep in mind that Timothy was a young man He was a young minister of the gospel, perhaps one of the youngest ones. And of course, Paul, you know, in several occasions, encourages Timothy to not necessarily focus on his age and his deficiencies, but to focus on the ministry and to set an example for the people around him. But there's there's this moment in which Paul, the apostle, 
he writes these words to Timothy. He says, For God has not given you the spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so, let me, let me explain that to you. You are not hardwired for fear. Fear is not something that you are born with. I mean, look at a child. They are fearless. When you see a one and a half year old who has just started walking is now climbing up a bookshelf, <laughs> up high, and they are fearless. They're not afraid of falling. They're not afraid of that whole thing falling on them. They are fearless. They are risk takers. But over time, we as parents, we either empower them or we disempower them with our words. We program their minds to believe a certain way and we condition the mind. And it's that subconscious part of us that is programmed over time, each and every one of us, every one of you listening right now, you have a preconditioned mind. There are certain things in your subconscious mind that control you. You don't know what they are. You know, in dealing with people who have post-traumatic stress disorder, also known as PTSD, there is a therapy that is used for them. It's called cognitive processing therapy. And so, Cognitive processing therapy is related to CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, both developed by uh, a man by the name of Beck. And so it is, in a nutshell, talk therapy. It is using the Socratic method of questioning to help the individual find the root of his issue. And now, right now, we're addressing the issue of fear. And so The subconscious mind has some very deep-rooted ideas. Let's call them mental constructs or schemas, uh, paradigms, uh, even spiritual strongholds that have been inherited over the years, over generations. Yes, this can be inherited. There are certain predispositions that we have in our genes. I mean, many years ago, several decades ago, they were able, science found that there is a predisposition in our genes that, uh, or there there is a... a segment in our gene, a component in our gene that predisposes certain people to aggressive behavior or predisposes them to alcoholism or drug addiction. Uh, There are a lot of different components within the DNA that predisposes people to certain, certain attitudes, certain belief systems, as a matter of fact. And so, in dealing with people with PTSD, I mean, understand that they are in the office for therapy due to a traumatic life experience. A lot of them are, uh, you know, perhaps veterans, people that have uh, been deployed overseas, who have experienced the war, who have experienced death, or who have been injured themselves. And therefore, a traumatic life experience uh, leaves an indelible uh, mark in in their mind. And so, through therapy, they're able to overcome. However, sometimes we get to a point where the healing is not complete. And, And so, the issue is no longer that traumatic life experience that might have occurred in their early adulthood. Uh, it's sometimes related to something that happened in their childhood. And therefore, the trauma, of course, 
just aggravated the issues that they were already dealing with. But so in treating that life, that traumatic life experience in in healing from that, we can find that there are deep rooted issues that need to be dealt with. They go all the way back to childhood. You know, there's a study on adverse childhood experiences. And as a matter of fact, this is uh, part of my doctoral uh, thesis. My dissertation is on adverse childhood experiences and the development of uh, autoimmune disease in adulthood. And so there's a there's a whole study on how uh, adverse childhood experiences will precondition their mind to the point of increasing the likelihood of them becoming alcoholics, drug addicts, homeless people, or ending up in prison, incarcerated. They are predictors based on the life experiences that they endured as children. Now, that is not a default. Uh, That is not a default because that's not our default wiring. However, it will direct the course of their life and they will end up in that position unless they are helped through therapy, unless they have someone who takes them on as a mentor and helps them through the process, breaking free from old schemas, you know, those molds and mindsets from the past. And so in dealing with people with PTSD, sometimes you have to go a lot deeper than just the traumatic life experience. And so the reason I share this with you today is because I want you to understand that fear is complex. It it is very, very complex and it is very real. It is very, very real. You know, some people are afraid of things that are not even existent. I'll I'll give you an example. And these are, these are true, um, true life stories. Uh, I remember reading about a woman who was deadly afraid of uh, water. In other words, she was afraid of being near a pool or near a stream, a lake, of course, the ocean. Whatever body of water it was, whether it was artificial or natural, she was deadly afraid of it. She did not want to be around it. But her church was having a uh, weekend retreat, and uh, it was for all families. And so she decided to go, and she decided to keep her distance from uh, from the water since they were camping out uh, for a day, and they were close to a stream, which uh, you know she didn't envision as a stream. She saw it as a river. She had a four-year-old child. In a split second, when she least expected it, that child walked away. And before she knew it, the child was close to that body of water or to that that stream. Uh, The child went into the water and unfortunately drowned. You see, the woman was paralyzed. Her fear paralyzed her to the point where she froze. She couldn't do anything. Nobody was around. She couldn't even scream for her life. She couldn't offer her child any help, and her child perished. You know, the irony of the story is that the stream was only knee-deep. In other words, she could have gone in and rescued her child, but fear paralyzed her to the point of incapacitating her and therefore keeping her from saving her four-year-old's life. Now, understand, this is just one of hundreds of thousands of stories of examples of people who have been paralyzed through fear and who have suffered the consequences. Now, let me just go back a little bit because I did mention uh, adverse childhood experiences and I did say that uh, situations that children go through uh, precondition their mind and set them up or elevate the likelihood of them them becoming alcoholics or 
anxious people, depressed or, or drug addicts, or even ending up incarcerated. Now, those are adverse childhood experiences. We're talking about not your typical, you know, uh, childhood. There are, in fact, 10 types of childhood traumas measured in the uh, Kaiser Permanente Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. Five are personal. And those are the ones that I'll highlight. For I mean, I just want you to understand that we're not talking about just your typical, you know, growing up issues that you sometimes face at home. I'm talking about physical abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, physical neglect, and emotional neglect, to name a few. These are adverse childhood experiences. These are uh, situations that are repeated over time in the life of a child. Uh, and, and this, in fact, will elevate, as I mentioned earlier, the likelihood of them ending up in a very bad situation as adults. Unless, of course, let's just say it, unless, of course, there is a Jesus moment, a life-changing transformation or they seek help, or they end up in foster care in a family that is nurturing and loving and is able to shift that mindset early on in their lives. So once again, fear is deep-rooted in the subconscious mind. Now, any programming or preconditioning of the mind happened through repetition, okay? You've heard me say this before. Repeat Repeat, repeat, do not negate what you are listening to or what you are repeating and your subconscious mind, which has no filter, by the way, will believe it and will behave accordingly. Simple example, tell the kid that the boogeyman lives in the closet. (laughs) Typical, typical example, right? You know, the boogeyman lives in the closet. You tell the kid, you don't have to tell the kid a hundred thousand times, maybe just a few times. But as you repeat it consistently over time, the child will not only see the boogeyman, the child will hear the boogeyman and will feel the boogeyman pulling at their feet. Is there anything in the closet? Absolutely not. (laughs) Perhaps a a laundry hamper and, uh, and, and some clothes, but that's it. There's nothing else. But the mind, which again, has no filter, the subconscious mind has no filter. The child does not negate or contradict the idea, will accept it as truth. Now you're thinking, well, that's just a child. (laughs) Well, that happens to you too. Let me tell you. Look, I'm not uh, shaming people for wearing masks. Absolutely not. Every one of us has a choice. Some vaccinated, some not. Some wearing masks, some doing prophylactic uh, care. Everyone is doing something. But what I see is this rampant fear in our society. First, it was COVID-19, and then it was the variant, the Delta variant, and now it's Omicron. And so people are freaking out because Omicron is out. It sounds like this evil, <laughs> this evil, uh, sinister uh, villain from one of the, uh, the Marvel movies, Omicron. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you see people shifting. Now, people were just coming out of COVID-19 and starting to take off their masks and, and starting to breathe the fresh air again and starting to feel good about themselves once again. School's back in, uh, in session, children out in the playgrounds playing, having fun. 
people having birthday parties once again, doing things together as a community, people going to church, worshiping together. But then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's Omicron. (laughs) Now, I'm not uh, belittling or making fun of you if you are afraid right now. That's okay. That's the whole purpose for this episode. What I have found over the years is that the more we educate ourselves regarding that one thing that is causing us to feel uh, that fear, that is causing that that uh, reaction within us, the more we educate ourselves regarding that one thing, the easier it is to overcome the feelings of, of fear. So I'll give you an example. I was just recently working with a young man who had to uh, who had to travel by plane, but was deadly afraid of flying. Now he had never been on a plane before. He had never had any relatives uh, die in an airplane accident uh, or any of that. And therefore, he had no prior experience, you know, obviously directly or indirectly. And so the first thing was to ask question, you know, why? Why are you afraid? His response, of course, was, I'm afraid of dying in an airplane accident. And so education is important. And so you, uh, you do your probability examination or your probability assessment. And so now you start to look for information, uh, true, real information regarding, you know, the statistics or the likelihood of an airplane falling out of the sky and crashing. And so after doing his research, he came back and told me, you know, what I found out was that uh, there is a, a, an increased likelihood of, of having an accident or dying in an accident uh, in, in, in an automobile or a, a train or even a bus. Uh, than uh, than it is to die in an airplane accident, he said. And so I was wrong this whole time. And so that little bit of information helped him overcome that that feeling of fear. And yes, he was able to get on the airplane. He was able to travel, and he kept on doing it once again and again and again with his family. And so education always helps. And so there's even a scripture that says, uh, my people perish. This is God speaking. He says, my people perish due to lack of knowledge. And and to perish means to die. It it comes from the the Greek word katastrophime. And katastrophime means to, to die or to lose vision or to go astray. And so that's exactly what fear does. A few months after COVID-19 came in like a flood, storming our nation and the world, taking many lives, I had a conversation with someone that I had known for a few years. She called me and she asked me if I would pray for her and her family. They had just lost, she had just lost her husband. And so she she shared the details with me. And by the way, I have her full permission um, to share this with you. Of course, I won't mention any names. But she told me, you know, this story I want you to share with other people to bring awareness to their lives. And so she went on to explain to me that she had developed the COVID-19 symptoms and she was was very sick. She was feeling badly. Nevertheless, she explained to me, her husband had no signs or symptoms. However, he wanted to be tested. And so he tested once and he was negative. He tested again and he was negative, but he swore that he had COVID-19. Every day he woke up, and although he woke up physically well, daily he confessed that he had COVID-19. So eventually, after about four tests, he ended up testing positive. 
And although he showed no signs or symptoms of COVID-19, he was the one who struggled the most to get up in the morning. He was dragging every day. He... he uh, continually told the doctors and nurses that he was having a hard time breathing, although his oxygen levels were normal. Everything in him showed that he was healthy. However, the test, uh, the test showed that he was positive for COVID-19, and therefore he was uh, medicated. He was in, you know, undergoing therapy for it. And yet, at some point along the, uh, the COVID-19 um, Valley, let's call it the dark valley, he asked for oxygen. And although it wasn't required because there was, again, there were no signs or symptoms, he was given an oxygen tank and a mask so that he could have oxygen at his beck and call. And eventually over the weeks, he, although once again, he was showing no signs or symptoms and his wife was, I mean, his wife was battling, his wife was fighting it, his wife was persevering. She didn't want to get on oxygen. She did not want to be on a ventilator because she knew she had read, she had heard of what was going on to the people who were on ventilators. So she was deadly. If there was anything, I wouldn't say she was afraid of being on a ventilator, but she was educated enough to know that that was not the route she wanted to go. And so she fought this thing out and she prayed her way through. She had people that were praying for her, calling her, encouraging her. But her husband, once again, no signs or symptoms. He went from an oxygen uh, tank to having an oxygen mask on him most of the time to, to mandating, he, he, he demanded to be put on a ventilator. Yes, he himself demanded to be put on a ventilator because as he woke up every day, every day he said, I am dying, I am dying, I am dying. There were no signs, there were no symptoms, but yet he was intubated and eventually died. And so I'm listening to this lady's story, and I'm I'm feeling so sorry for her. I'm I'm just thinking about you know their their child and how how what she must be feeling through this whole process. And so and so I asked her the question with all due respect. I said so. So if he showed no signs or symptoms of COVID-19, if his oxygen levels were normal and his organs were properly functioning. Did he have some kind of comorbidity? Did he have an underlying you know, medical issue that, that I'm not aware of? To which she answered, no. There were no comorbidities. There were no underlying medical conditions. She said, I'll tell you what he died from. He died from fear. Fear killed him. He was in his early 40s when he passed away. A very bright young man, however, extremely analytical and read into everything constantly to the point of becoming anxious over it. And so you're probably asking yourself right now or wanting to ask me, so Milton, are you telling me that fear can, can kill you? I would answer, yes, fear can absolutely kill you. Fear is a liar. Fear is destructive. Fear paralyzes. Fear will completely sabotage your life. Back in 2010, Danielle Goldberg, a 26-year-old woman from Staten Island, was riding in her building's elevator up to her sixth-floor apartment just before noon when her neighborhood suffered a blackout. For half an hour, 
She was trapped inside that small little space in the elevator, in the darkness, alone, completely alone. And so in an effort to stifle a growing panic attack because she suffered from anxiety, and so she had experienced panic attacks before, in order to stifle this, she used her cell phone to call her mother. But it was, it was no use. By the time the rescue workers freed her, half an hour later, she was completely unconscious. She died in the hospital a short time later. At first glance, you know what? The cause of her death seems to be clear. It was pure fright. Have you ever heard of the fight, flight, or freeze reaction caused by the secretion of adrenaline into your bloodstream? Probably not, but you have felt it. I mean, think of yourself, you know, walking down the street or running. Let's say that you're jogging around your neighborhood. Then all of a sudden, you hear a dog chasing after you. Now, initially, you can't see the dog. All you can hear is the dog chasing you. You don't know what direction it's coming from. But immediately, your body goes into a reaction. It's called a hypothalamic pituitary adrenal reaction. And so it either tightens up. I mean, generally, your your muscles will tighten up. You will uh, have tunnel vision um, and you have a cold, you break out sometimes in a cold sweat and your heart starts palpitating. So you, your heart starts racing. And so you either fight the dog, you try to run away from the dog, or you freeze in front of the dog, which is terrible, right? <laughs> That's the worst thing that can happen. But people freeze just like that woman froze while her daughter was drowning in the stream. And so it's fight, flight, or freeze. Now, those are great reactions. Actually, God wired us that way. I mean, let let me give you another example. Let's suppose that you are hiking somewhere along a trail in, um, in the wilderness, and all of a sudden, you hear something moving in the brush, and you turn and you look back and you see a black bear staring right at you. Your body without even thinking about it, in a split second, it will go into a hypothalamic reaction. And so you will go into fight, flight, or freeze mode. Once again, this will be either one of these will be your reaction. And so you're either going to fight the bear, you're going to run away from the bear, or you're going to freeze in front of the bear and become his (laughs) lunch, okay? Simply put, you will become his lunch. This is how we are wired. Now, those reactions are okay when you are in a situation in which you need to react that way. Uh, some people have had accidents, automobile accidents, and in which their children are left inside the vehicle, strapped in the vehicle, and the vehicle is upside down in a ditch. And, and the woman has, goes into this fight-flight-freeze mode, but she fights and has this, this supernatural almost type energy, uh, strength that helps her flip the car over on her own. And people are amazed by it, and they ask themselves, how did she do it? Well, it is exactly this same uh, reaction going into full operation. The muscles tighten up and and there's this, this, this almost supernatural strength that you acquire. Now, all of this is good when you need it in a situation of emergency. 
But this is not good when you wake up every day feeling like you're in fight, flight, or freeze mode because of some preconceived idea, some preconditioning of the mind. Let's call it Omicron. And you wake up and you're afraid to go out because you might catch this thing. You might catch the virus. You're afraid to go out without a mask. You're afraid to be around people. You're constantly hand sanitizing. You're constantly doing things to hopefully mitigate the possibility of getting this virus. And let me say this. You've, you've probably heard me say this before, many times before. I said, if the devil can't make you bad, the devil will make you busy. The devil will distract you completely and will put you in a tailspin, a fear tailspin, and control every portion of your life. And so, fear is, once again, a liar. It is a liar. You don't want to wake up every morning in fight, flight, or freeze mode. This hypothalamic reaction can be counterproductive to your health. Let me kind of explain it a little bit. The hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, also called HPA, um, it it describes the interaction between the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, and, and the adrenal glands, okay? So the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland are located just above the brainstem. And while the adrenal glands are found on the top of your kidney, so I want you to kind of picture that. Pituitary, your hypothalamus, you know, the pituitary gland is the master gland. The, the, the hypothalamus is up there too. But your, 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 um, your adrenal glands are, are located right on top of your kidney. So the main function generally attributed to this HPA axis involves the body's reaction to stress, Okay. Stress. When, when something stressful happens to us, our initial response is, is, is mediated by the sympathetic nervous system. So this response occurs almost immediately and results in the secretion of epinephrine and norepinephrine, both of which work to enact changes that you would generally expect if you felt stressed and or frightened, like the heart palpitations and the cold sweats. Now, Cortisol is secreted into your bloodstream during this whole process, and that is secreted by the adrenal glands. And cortisol has a number of effects on the body. Now, keep in mind, cortisol is also known as the stress hormone, and it is the opposite of oxytocin. Oxytocin is also known as the love hormone. So cortisol has a number of effects on the body that are thought to be carried out in order to help the body deal with a stressor that lasts no longer than a few minutes. Listen, no longer than a few minutes. Not hours, not days, not weeks, not months, just a few minutes. For example, it increases your blood pressure and cardiac output, providing more blood to your skeletal muscles in case the stressor you're dealing with involves some sort of uh, physical exertion like running for your life, you know, like the, the, the bear chasing you or, or that chihuahua that's uh, chasing you while you're jogging. It also acts to increase circulating levels of uh, glucose in your blood as well. So as glucose is crucial energy source for your cells, this also provides your body with extra energy to deal with the stressor, of course. And additionally, 
Cortisol acts during the experience of a serious stressor to inhibit processes that are deemed to be a, of lesser importance at that time. For example, uh, reproductive activity is decreased. From the body's perspective, activities that don't allow you to deal with the stressor at hand should be ignored until the acute stress has ended. While proper functioning of the HPA axis is essential for dealing with stress, when the HPA axis is stimulated way too much, for example, if someone who faces, who is facing extreme stress on a daily basis, like I mentioned earlier, if you wake up and all you think about is Omicron and, and putting on your mask and, and hand sanitizing every five minutes and living life thinking about this, everything revolves around that, you know, or it could be any other fear for that matter. This can lead to physical and psychiatric problems. Individuals with elevated cortisol levels may experience a, a suppressed immune system response, making them more susceptible to infection, for instance. Repeated HPA axis activation has been linked to uh, type 2 diabetes, obesity, uh, cardiovascular disease, um, vitiligo, Crohn's disease, you name it, uh, lymphoma. Cortisol has also been demonstrated to have detrimental effects on your memory and cognition, and high cortisol levels are implicated in mood disorders like depression. Look, let's be honest. Fear will suck the life out of you. If you allow it, it will. Fear, most of the time, is a mental construct. It's an idea. It's a preconditioning of the mind. It does not line up with God's word in any way, shape, or form. I love Joshua 1.9. The word of God says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you may go. Faith and fear, my friends, do not cohabitate. They do not coexist. Darkness and light do not coexist. You've got to rise up. You've got to, you, you need to educate yourself regarding that one thing that you are deadly afraid of. Fear will incapacitate. Not only does fear affect your psyche, your psychology, it affects your immunity. It affects your body. Look, I've never met anyone who suffered from dire fear on a daily basis. I've never met one of them who enjoyed a healthy lifestyle ever. They were constantly preoccupied over the things that have yet to happen, perhaps will never happen. They're, they're preoccupied over what is going on in the world, preoccupied with Omicron, with the next variant. And come on, let's be honest. It's like the flu. Every year it's mutating. Every year it's changing and people get a vaccine every year. But that doesn't freak people out. But this thing is, you've been fed a lie, my friend, and I won't, I won't go there. I'm not going to go there. I just want to address it from a theological and psychological standpoint. I want you to know that fear is, is a liar. It's, it's, it's the enemy's stronghold on your life. It, it will mess you up psychologically. It will affect your, uh, your immunity. You can't live a healthy and fearful life. That's an oxymoron. You just can't. Well, like I said earlier, if you're suffering from fear, I'm not belittling you. I'm not shaming you for that. We've all been there. Believe me, I have my own struggles. I'm conscious about them. 
and I'm constantly working on them. If you're out there and you're listening to this episode and you're struggling with fear, my heart goes out to you because I've seen people, I've helped people, I've worked with people who've struggled with extreme fear. Fear of the unknown, of the uncertainties. Fear of those things that you just can't control. I've been there, I've seen it. And it's so debilitating. It's so paralyzing and incapacitating. If you're listening today and you're one of those suffering from some kind of fear, whether it's Omicron, it's fear of coming home to a spouse who is disruptive, violent, whatever your situation may be, whatever is causing you to go into that fight, flight, or freeze mode, my heart goes out to you today. I feel for you. I feel for you, my brother. I feel for you, my sister. I want to pray for you right now. I want you to understand that God tells us in his word to not be afraid, to not be dismayed, to know that he is with us. Even David wrote in Psalm 23, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. And I love what he says at the very end of Psalm 23. And surely... Your goodness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That was David's declaration of faith. It wasn't a cry out for help. It was a declaration of faith in an almighty, all-sufficient God. Lord God, I come before you right now in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord for your goodness and grace. I thank you, Father, for your unending love that you chose us first, Father, before we even chose you. Thank you, Lord, for that peace that surpasses all understanding that can only come from you, Father. Lord, I want to lift up all of those who are listening today, especially those that are struggling with some kind of fear, whether it's the fear of COVID or the fear of coming home to dysfunction, whatever it may be, Father, I lift them up right now. I pray, Lord, that they would understand that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you, O God, sustain them in the palm of your mighty hand, that you embrace them and encompass them, Father, with your precious arms, Lord. Lord, that you have promised to never leave us nor forsake us. That although at times they may not feel your presence, at times they may forget that you are there, I pray, Lord, that they would be reminded as of today that you are always with them at all times. That the moment that they've suffered the most, you were there. The moment when they rejoice, Father, you were there. Lord, I pray for them that you would empower them to overcome the fear that is holding them back. 
I pray, Lord, that you would remind them through the Holy Spirit that they have not been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind, that the way that you have wired them, Lord, by default is to to live a life of power, love, and a sound mind and not a life of fear, Father. We know that fear is of the enemy, but faith comes from you, Lord, and it's a choice and a decision that we make on a daily basis. I pray for my brothers and sisters that they would rise up in faith, that they would rise up in faith, and that they would not allow fear to dominate them, Lord, that they would understand that fear has its repercussions on their mind and on their bodies, Father, and that that is not your purpose for us. Jesus said, The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Lord, I pray that my brothers and sisters would be able to experience that kind of life, the life that Jesus has offered to us. Father, I pray a blessing over each and every one of them. I pray, Lord, that they would break free from the strongholds. I pray that you would bring revelation to their lives so that they may see where those strongholds are at, so that they can address them and break free from them in your mighty power. Father, we thank you in Jesus' mighty and precious name. And everyone says, Amen. I hope today's episode has blessed you. I hope that it has opened up your mind and your heart. I look forward to hearing from each and every one of you. Whenever you have a breakthrough in your life after an episode or episodes, (laughs) I would love to hear from you. I was, uh, I, I've been recording episodes in Spanish as well, and I have gotten some really, you know, great feedback from our Spanish-speaking uh, audience as well, and it just blesses my heart. So, leave us a, leave us a positive message. I love to read them and um, share, share this, uh, share this podcast with other people. There are lots of people out there that need to hear this word. So God bless you guys. I will see you soon. Well, not see you, but you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) We'll connect very soon. God bless you. Love you. Love you. Love you in Christ. Bye-bye.